الجزيرة بودكاست. Will Turkey ratify Sweden's NATO membership? Stockholm says it can't fulfill all Ankara's demands. As the bloc's membership requires unanimous approval, what would make Turkey change its mind? And what does all of this mean for NATO's future? I'm Mohamed Jamjoum, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. All right, let's go ahead and bring in our guests from Istanbul, Tarek Oguzlu, a professor of international relations at Istanbul Aydin University. In Brussels, Teresa Fallon is the founder and director of the Center for Russia-Europe-Asia Studies. And in Moscow, we have Pavel Felgenhauer, a defense and military analyst. A warm welcome to you all, and thanks so much for joining us today on Inside Story. Teresa, let me start with you today. Uh, so Sweden is saying that Turkey is asking too much and that it can't fulfill all of their demands. Where does that leave things, and, and how ultimately does this get solved? Hello, thank you for having me. I just want to clarify that anything I say is my personal opinion and doesn't reflect any of the organizations I've been affiliated with. Uh, I think that it's very key. Uh, we've seen, even preparing for today's meeting, uh, six months ago, everyone was thinking that things had been settled. And uh, as the planes landed in Sweden and Finland, they received messages that Turkey, the Turkish government had changed their mind and that they weren't, uh, after the NATO summit, they weren't happy with the, the the agreement. So I think we've seen a new Swedish government. They've followed up with the same uh, views as the previous government. The Swedes have actually changed their laws in order to help facilitate some of the, the requests that uh, Turkey has made. But it seems that Turkey is never going to be quite happy unless they uh, extradite about 35 people. And some of these are actually now Swedish citizens because about one-tenth of the population Sweden took in a lot of Kurdish refugees. So some of these people have worked their way up in Swedish society. One is now a member of parliament and they will not extradite these people to Turkey. So this is a really uh, strong sticking point. And uh, a lot of these issues really aren't really uh, just about Sweden and Finland. It's also giving Erdogan more leverage uh, over NATO, and it also plays well to his domestic audience. Uh, he seems very powerful, and it seemed most countries in NATO were willing to kind of let this play out. But we saw yesterday with Jen Stoltenberg's comments that you know, people are starting to lose patience with how long this is running. So uh, there are three possible scenarios. One, that it will happen quickly uh, after Hungary, perhaps. The second one is kind of a more um, moderate. Uh, maybe Erdogan will see what he can get, you know, what he can, this tough transaction, this tough negotiation posi position, see what he can get. He wants to get F-15s from the United States. I'm sorry, F-16s from the United States. Uh and that might be difficult in this current Congress. Uh, so, and the third thing is in NATO, they're, they're, they don't feel that they're getting enough support for their own security interests in regard to Syria. So the US and Turkey are on different sides on the, those issues. So I think that Erdogan has a lot of demands and he is not just unhappy now, he's been unhappy for quite some time. We've seen this happen with the previous Sec General Secretary General of NATO, he kind of blocked that back in 2009. Uh, he wanted to buy a Chinese air defense system. NATO didn't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. So instead, he bought the S-400 from Russia. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where the U.S.-Turkey uh, situation kind of 
uh, erupted in regard to the F-35s. Turkey was no longer allowed into that uh, buying mm. of the F-35s. So now they're asking for the F-16s. So there are a lot of multiple strands in this relationship. And Sweden is almost one of the symptoms of it. Mm -hmm. But I think Turkey is showing that they really hold all the cards right now. Tarek, uh, from your vantage point, um, will Turkey ultimately ratify Sweden's NATO membership? And, and what's it going to take to get to that point? Actually, it is extremely difficult to say that Turkey will for sure uh, recognize the admission of Finland and Sweden to NATO, because we all know that, looking from an historical perspective, NATO members have brought their national issues to the platform of the alliance whenever any particular topic came to the agenda. We had seen in the past many examples showing that member states try to score leverages, try to score points with other countries through their uh, influential position within the alliance. For example, we know that the United States wanted to make sure that Georgia and Ukraine become members of NATO in 2008, but France and Germany vetoed this process. In the past, we had seen that Greece, for example, very much vetoed the membership of Republic of Macedonia. We also know that Greece and Greek Cypriot administrations have been using their membership inside the European Union to score some geopolitical goals vis-a-vis -vis Turkey. So these kind of things are quite normal with the multinational, multinational platforms. We have to underline it very clearly. Secondly, when coming to your question, now Turkey is in the middle of a kind of political election season and Turkish nationalism has been on the rise for some time and Erdogan and his uh, partner, Nationalistic Action Party, have made it very quite clear that unless uh, Sweden and Finland complies with the terms of Turkish government, uh, Turkey will never ratify the term of the accession agreement. Uh, and before before the elections take place, most likely in late April or early May, uh, I don't expect that Turkish parliament will uh, uh, ratify the membership claims of these two countries within NATO. But there is also another reason that seems to have quite facilitated mm -hmm. uh, such kind of a role on the part of Turkey, because the international system has now been shifted to a multipolar environment. So, so long as we live in a multipolar environment, number one, number two, so long as the war in Ukraine Mm -hmm. is a kind of war of attrition between Russia and uh, Ukraine. Uh, Turkey's leverages within NATO, Turkey's maneuvering uh, projections within NATO seem to have been quite tolerated by the alliance. Mm -hmm. So I think this situation will continue for some time. Uh, Pavel, Russia has said that it's going to beef up its military presence in the northwestern parts of the country in response to Sweden and Finland's bids to join NATO. Uh, clearly, that is not a surprise to hear that rhetoric. We've heard a lot of rhetoric from Russia when it comes to the attempts by Sweden and Finland to join NATO. But how concerned is Russia at this point that this membership bid would be successful? How worried are they about the prospect of Sweden and Finland joining NATO? Uh, well, of course, that's seen as a serious problem. Um, Sweden and especially Finland were seen for a long time that their NATO membership was basically almost impossible. And of course, during the Cold War, uh, Finland was basically a Russian well protectorate. There was this term of Finlandization, uh, kind of a capitalist country, but politically it was associated with the Soviet Union, was buying Soviet weaponry and was kind of putting its foreign policy was in kind of, well, coordinated from Moscow. And so for them to become a 
uh, enemy nation, that's uh, very serious. Of course, for the Russian military, maybe it's not that bad. There'll be new divisions formed in the Baltic region. New army divisions means more positions for tank generals to occupy uh, more money to go into the defense budget. Any kind of military likes an enemy, especially an enemy that's not attacking you. And Finland, Moscow, is not really poised to attack Russia, but you can uh, figure that this is an, a threat, and that means you can uh, use that to get more m money in your budget. But Russia right now maybe is a bit, I would say, uh, pleased that Turkey and Hungary are holding out and not allowing the uh, formal accession of Finland and uh, Sweden to, into the alliance. Though, of course, for all practical reasons, they are already in. And the United States made clear that they will treat any kind of a threat to Finland and Sweden as, as if they are already NATO members. So uh, the leverage that Turkey has is important, but it's not absolute. And it's understood in Moscow that eventually Turkey and Hungary are going to cave in. Uh, Teresa, what does all this mean for NATO's future, especially as the war in Ukraine continues? That could be a wild card. I just want to pick up on one uh, point there. We should recall that prior to making this public, uh, both Sweden and Finland canvassed all NATO members, whether they would support them to become members of NATO. So they wouldn't just kind of put themselves out to dry like that. So they, they canvassed everybody. And from, from what I've been told, Turkey did support their bid. And so they, it came as a bit of a shock once they made the announcement public that Turkey had other requirements for them uh, in order to become a member. So that really is uh, put Sweden and Finland in a very difficult situation. There's a war going on in Europe. Sweden and Finland are traditionally neutral countries. And they really kind of stuck their neck out by saying they want to become a member of NATO when it was unclear that they might be blocked by Turkey. So I think that there is some kind of uh, resentment about that as mm. well, because saying that you support them and not supporting them all the way through, uh, using leverage uh, to get what you want out of them uh, is, is kind of being seen in a negative light by mm. some people. So. The important thing was at the NATO summit back in Spain, we, everyone was saying, you know, we have a rejuvenated NATO with possible two member states. Instead of being brain dead, as Macron had announced a few years ago, NATO was, you know, got its mojo back, uh, had a reason, you know, kind of they all pulled together. And there it was a very, you know, positive narrative. But in the background, as these planes were leaving, Turkey was already kind of formulating their position on how to maximize their leverage to get what they want out of other NATO member states. And in addition, we see even increased tensions now in the Aegean between Turkey and Greece. So there's a lot of, you know, that's nice on the facade, but underneath there's a lot of bubbling problems. And, and Turkey actually plays quite an interesting role. We see them export drones to Ukraine and uh, they're also getting financial support from Russia. So it's, it's a very complex relationship that they have. So, Teresa, if I could just pick up on one of the points you were making, you, you said that in the run up to the announcement uh, that there was canvassing internally that was going on within NATO member states as far as uh, how all this would play out. Uh, 
then you have this this three-way agreement that Sweden and Finland signed with Turkey in 2022 aimed at overcoming Ankara's objections to their membership of NATO. Would NATO members have anticipated that this would not have been resolved yet? And, and just how frustrated are they getting with all of this? Well, that's a really good question. And it seems that the parameters are constantly changing. Uh, the Swedish, some people have complained that uh, a lot of the disagreements are a bit am- ambiguous. So it seems like the goalposts are constantly being changed. And you know, Sweden is a democracy. They have uh, certain protections for their citizens. They can't just uh, send people off to Turkey, uh, even though they're Swedish citizens. So there's there's kind of a, a, a clash here in regard to some values and. I understand, you know, for Erdogan, it's good to have a maximalist position, ask for as much as you can get and see what you, you can you can find. And I mean, even at the same time, we're seeing Turkey refusing to extradite um, uh, Uyghur citizens to China. So, you know, there's there are uh, various feelings and uh, implications of this. And because uh, Sweden is a democracy, the problem really isn't so much with Finland, the, the, the tensions are between Turkey and Sweden because of the large Kurdish population there. So there's a lot more to this than just mm. uh, Sweden. And we, you know, the the fact that Sweden has removed their uh, arms embargo that was put in place after Turkey uh, went into Syria. So mm-hmm. Sweden was not a member of NATO. They put an arms embargo on them, and they have lifted that now, and they have said uh-huh. that they will cooperate more in defense uh, uh, cooperation. So I think that that would be a positive. So there, there, there has to be some negotiation here. Mm. Uh, there have to, there has to be some give and take, as we all know, we, you know, everything is a negotiation. And I think uh, holding on to this maximalist position, I think there was a clear message yesterday sent by Jen Stoltenberg that patience is beginning to wear thin, mm. but Turkey, you know, this is also playing very well to the domestic audience. And he they have 80% inflation in Turkey. Uh, he has to kind of show that I have, I'm a big power on the world stage. And it remains to be seen. If something, also to pick up on your earlier question, you know, if something happens in Ukraine or if this uh, war expands, uh, God forbid. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there are a lot of um, black swans out there that, mm-hmm. you know, by letting this go on for so long, it's kind of like a win for Putin. And I think people are, are concerned about that uh, part of the optics of this whole situation, because it looks like NATO is not together, that it's kind of a long horse trading situation. And and that's never good. So I think that um, everyone would originally thought, let this just play out. It's between Turkey and Sweden and Finland. And now there might be some calls for other countries to get more involved. Mm. But I think first they're sending signals and we'll see if that will have any effect. I don't think it will, but it remains to be seen. Tariq, this stance that Turkey is taking, how big a risk is this for President Erdogan uh, when it comes to Turkey's relationship with other NATO member states? And and is there any concern in Turkey that, that President Erdogan is perhaps at risk of overplaying his hand? Actually, let me approach this question from a hypothetical perspective. If we had another government here in Turkey, I expect the Turkish government would have reacted the same manner, in the same way. 
because this is an issue that very much concerns Turkish national security interests. Turkey is quite upset with the position of its partners within the Western international community concerning the developments in the agency, concerning developments in Syria, concerning Turkey's national security sensitivities. If we had another government, I expect most likely Turkish reaction would be the same. Second of all, uh, there are strong disagreements within NATO concerning uh, the right approach to be adopted against Russia as well. So we should not assume that all NATO members are on the same page concerning each and every action Russian government has been taking, concerning each and every action uh, that very much relates to NATO's security interests. For example, there is a strong disagreement between the countries in Central and Eastern Europe on the one hand, and Germany and France on the other hand. Some people are quite eager to see that there is soon a kind of peace agreement with Russia, but some others think that the war should continue to the end because Russia should be punished to most extreme. So if we approach this particular problem from this particular perspective, we could easily understand why Turkey has been so keen on its national security considerations. And I think that the cost to Turkish government will not be so high in Turkish politics because Turkish people, uh, to a significant extent, seem to be quite happy with the position adopted by the current Turkish government. So they see this particular development as a core national interest because the majority of Turkish people are of the view that the people who took refuge in Sweden back in the past uh, were in close cooperation with the PKK in Turkey and in northern Syria. And many people who had taken a part in this coup attempt in July 2016 had uh, took refuge, had taken refuge in Sweden. So looking to this issue from the security considerations of the Turkish government and the people alike, mm. you could easily understand why Turkish government has been so keen on this issue. And we should also underline another point. If one country is very keen on its national security interests, whereas the other members are simply ignoring those demands, so we can jump to the conclusion that there is a strong degree of disagreement, there is a strong degree of lack of trust among the allies. And we should mm. not forget the fact that Turkey has not been on good terms with the leading member of NATO, the United States, for some time. These two countries are at odds with each other concerning each and every issue, in particular, is the Eastern Mediterranean, Asian, mm. Northern uh, Africa, Greater Middle Eastern region. So this is a kind of continuation of this Turkish-American lack of cooperation. Mm. Uh, Pavel, did, did Russia actually anticipate that Sweden and Finland would actually try and join NATO as a result of the war in Ukraine? And also, where, where has all this left Russia's relationship with Turkey? Uh, well, there has been talk in Finland and in uh, Sweden of joining NATO for a long time. Um, the Dane, Danes and the Norwegians that aren't members of NATO, uh, they were pressing that ahead because the uh, Scandinavian countries tend to do everything together in a block. And that they are divided with uh, uh, two big nations inside NATO, two nations outside NATO. Uh, but the majority of people in Sweden and Finland was against NATO membership up to uh, last year and the beginning of this war when there was a watershed change in public and political opinion. I mean, I discussed this in Helsinki and in, uh, and in Sweden in the 90s, and everyone was saying, oh, that's a kind of an extreme possibility. No, we're not. Now they are. And that was actually not 
fully foreseen in Moscow. Uh, maybe there were some specialists who understood that this could happen, uh, but in the kind of decision-making bodies in the Kremlin, apparently they didn't. And that uh, was a nasty surprise because actually building defenses when you have Finland, especially Finland, as a NATO member would be not good, though, of course, in the last several years, some years already, beginning from, I think, at least 2007, 2008, Finland and Sweden were very closely, their military were cooperating with NATO, taking part in joint military exercises, deploying forces together, and in NATO headquarters, you were all the time bumping into Swedish and Finnish military. You could recognize them by their uniforms. Mm -hmm. So this is not just simply came out of the blue. Uh, Russia hopes that maybe this will be, as I said, that the, the, Turkish, the Turkish kind of veto will hold for some time. Mm -hmm. But Turkey is so dependent on Europe especially on the United States, and they can do Turkey so much harm, actually, mm -hmm. by just simply not providing aid and um, technologies. Uh, it's understood that this uh, Turkish veto is going to evaporate rather sooner Pavel, than later. I'm, I'm sorry to bother you. Pavel, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just do. Uh, we are running out of time. I just want to ask Tarek one last question here. Tarek, we only have about a minute and a half left. Um, if Turkey ultimately approves Sweden's bid, does that mean that they will also approve Finland's bid? Of course. Actually, in, 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 as far as Finland's membership is concerned, there is no Turkish uh, objection to this because the problems between Turkey and Finland are much easier to solve in comparison to the dispute between Sweden and Finland. But we also know that uh, Finland has made it very quite clear that if the problem with Sweden got not uh, were not resolved, uh, they will not join the alliance uh, alone. So they will join the alliance together. So this concerns the three parties. But let me also tell you something which very much concerns the main reason why Turkey has been acting this way. Mm -hmm. Because Turkish authorities are of the view that we are in the middle of a kind of geopolitical confrontation between the leading powers of the globe. And the Western countries do not have the luxury of uh, ignoring Turkey's claims and considerations, because this is a kind of second world war, a second cold war environment. And Turkey mm. is a too big and too powerful country to be lost to the other side. Mm. So Turkish authorities speak uh, through this real political and geopolitical language. All right. Well, we have run out of time, so we're going to have to leave the conversation there. Thanks so much to all of our guests, Tarek Oguzlu, Teresa Fallon, and Pablo Felgenhauer. This episode was produced by Mohamed Al-Aishi, Usama Aluni, Fungi Nguyen, and Jemma Harris. Studio sound was by Hasib Hashmi. The program was edited by Vinish Velilath, Lynn Nguyen, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Tuesday for our next episode. <laughs>